Today, I'd like to give a shout out to my friends at GI Pro Health. A lot of you are already familiar with GI Pro Health. They have a large list of high-quality vitamins, supplements, probiotics, and a very extensive list of vitamin supplements and probiotics that are legal on the specific carbohydrate diet. If you go there, you'll see that they have on the side of the page a menu where you can click and see all of the SCD legal products that they have, including Yogurt Starter. You can find them at giprohealth.com. That's G-I- P-R-O-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. They also ship to Europe. They are shipping to Canada, although because of COVID, Canadian orders are delayed. You can always give them a call and find out more about their shipping processes to Canada. Just want to mention that one of the things that I respect most about GI Pro Health is that all of their products are sent through a rigorous testing procedure, both during and before and after the manufacturing process. All of their batches are tested for up to one year for strength and longevity. They are at 100% potency when you receive them. Go to their webpage, read more about them, check them out. I'm sure you'll be glad you did. Welcome to the SCD Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. If something has been eating at you or eating at your gut, then I have good news for you. The specific carbohydrate diet, also known as the SCD, has helped countless people with a wide variety of health issues improve their quality of life. It's also a great way to eat if you just want to go grain-free or stay away from processed foods. Here, you'll find interviews with SCD experts as well as everyday people who actively follow the program, and you'll get tips to help you enjoy living the SCD, including resources, recipes, and more. I'm your host, Lee Bernstein. I live with gut issues. I live with autoimmune issues. And after trying many nutrition protocols, I found that the SCD is what works for me. If that's the same for you, or if you're looking to find out if it is, then let's enjoy living SCD together. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. Nothing on this show is ever medical advice. I'm just someone who's thankful that the specific carbohydrate diet works. I'm thankful that it's given me my life back, and I'm especially thankful and excited about being here with you today. So if you're ready, let's begin. Welcome to Episode 4 of the SCD Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. Before we begin today, I have some information to share with you. Hopefully, everyone who's listening has a copy of Breaking the Vicious Cycle, Intestinal Health Through Diet by Elaine Gottschall. Uh, as most of you know, after Elaine passed, her daughter, Judy, her daughter, Judy Herod, has continued with the publishing processes for the book. And Breaking the Vicious Cycle is in another revised edition. Now, I've been talking to Judy through email, and she said, if you have 
already, if you already have a Breaking the Vicious Cycle copy, you do not need to worry about updating the book. You're fine. However, there is a small change in the temperatures to yogurt during the 24-hour incubation period. I want to read that to you. I'm reading it from my email notes. What she said to me, quote, basically, the temperature range was too low in the earlier editions. It has been revised from 100 to 110 degrees Fahrenheit to be 108 to 116 degrees Fahrenheit. Instant pots are supposed to incubate at 110. So for those of you who, like me, make your yogurt in an instant pot, you're good. She said that the temperature of her Yogourmet electric yogurt maker, which is still going strong, as was her mother's, is slightly higher. So if you are one to take the temperature of your yogurt during that 24-hour period, if it is anywhere from 108 to 116 you're fine. Judy, thank you very much for letting me share that information with everyone. And thank you for all the good work you're doing in keeping Breaking the Vicious Cycle updated and in front of all of us. Okay, well, that was very perfect for today's show because during the show, we're going to be doing a little bit of talking about yogurt, uh, SCD 24-hour yogurt. And that is with Dr. Ali Arjamand, who is our very special guest today, and we'll be talking about a lot of other things as well. He's a PhD nutritionist. He's also the founder of Modula Health. And for those who might not know, Modula Health is a nutrition clinic in the Seattle area. It focuses on inflammatory bowel disease. He's also on the board of directors of the not-for-profit Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association. Dr. Arjaman, also known as Dr. Ali, to many people out there, uses trustworthy, and this is important, science-based nutritional interventions to give tailor-made nutrition consulting to IBD patients who want to make dietary changes to improve their quality of life. He has both his PhD in nutrition and his undergraduate degree in genetics from the University of California, Davis. He's a clinical researcher, NIH-funded principal investigator, and has published numerous peer-reviewed articles in scientific journals. On top of all that, get this, he used to work for Bill Gates as head of, as head of strategy and scientific affairs on key global health initiatives. And if that doesn't impress you enough, he's also the founder of a laboratory science company where he has led over 50 phase one clinical trials targeting refractory endometriosis, breast cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's, and inflammatory diseases. And as you'll hear in today's show, he also has Crohn's disease. And on the SCD, he's doing great. Hi, Dr. Ajaman. Thank you for being on the show today. Hi, Lee. It's a pleasure. I'm glad we're doing this today. Let's start by learning a little bit about you. Tell us about what you do. Hi. Yeah. Well, uh, I am a... uh, owner and runner of uh, I own the nutrition practice here in just outside Seattle. Uh, I specifically focus on gut health matters uh, and specifically IBD. So I've been working with IBD uh, patients, uh, folks living with Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, mostly adults uh, who are looking for nutrition and diet modes of therapy to get them through to a better state of health. And that's Modula Health, is that Modula Health, yeah. Modular Health. 
So what made you start the specific carbohydrate diet yourself personally? Well, so I have Crohn's disease myself. Uh, I am right now 53, but I was diagnosed when I was 31 in 2002 uh, after enduring many years of uh, twists and turns, uh, misdiagnoses, uh, lots of uh, interrupted activities, poor health. Uh, but finally hit the wall and in 2002, uh, got the definitive diagnosis, which was a surprise and also a relief to some extent, because now I sort of knew what I'm dealing with. But, uh, you know, aside from the whole emotional aspects of being diagnosed and recognizing what it could or could not mean, uh, took a while. Um, I enlisted in the protocols that my doctors recommended, uh, starting with small molecule therapy and uh, immunosuppressants, uh, which didn't really do anything, and then uh, prednisone, which didn't do much at all, and then biologic. So I started Remicade right away. And really what I was doing is following my best of uh, practice, my you know standard of care medication. Uh, but within a year, I was already having multiple bouts of uh, obstruction and uh, hospitalization. And it was clearly apparent that my disease had progressed so far that I needed surgery. So I had uh, obst obstruction in my terminal ileum and ended up doing a resection, small bowel resection in 2003, uh, really ignoring and my diet uh, because I was told it doesn't really matter, right? Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, after your doctors told you, your doctors told you it didn't really matter. Uh, my, my doctor said that this is not unrelated to what you do. It's not something you did to yourself. It's not something you can uh, do to get out of it using diet. But we do have good med medications. Uh, you're, we have lots of uh, options for you, and these should do the trick. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Do eat a low-residue diet was the only advice I was giving. So whatever. And a low-residue diet is? You know, it was never really defined for me, uh, but... Uh, uh, in my understanding, it's obviously low fiber, low low fiber content. So avoiding fruits and vegetables, and uh, you know, uh, sticking with foods that sort of made me feel comfortable. Maybe rice, maybe pasta, maybe potatoes, maybe uh, comfort foods, breads, things like that. Um, I'm hearing a lot of things that you're not supposed yeah. to eat on this specific carbohydrate exactly. diet. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's sort of like all those things that you gravitate towards because they give you short-term relief and uh, sort of uh, avoid obstructive risk, uh, things that don't have a high burden of fiber, high obstructive risk. So that's what I did. After my surgery in 2003, my doctor said, hey, I removed a bunch of really scarred, narrowed down tissue in your ileum, but it's all gone. You can eat whatever you want. Have a great life. Mm. Um, the surgeon felt super good about it. Um, uh, but again, to answer your question, uh, I just kind of went through another decade and a half of twists and turns, lots of interruptions, almost about every year uh, requiring emergency department uh, visit, uh, p hospitalization, um, switching to different meds, uh, a long, long course of twists and turns. Something probably people who've lived with uh, IBD for a decade or two can, can relate to. Uh, I was sort of on the extreme side of things. Uh, ended up having another surgery in 2015 uh, after switching to Humira, then Antivio, then being on prednisone for already eight years at that point straight uh, be between 10 and 20 milligrams of prednisone. I mean, we were throwing everything we could find into my therapy uh, because that was the standard of care and the I had 
great doctors. I followed their instructions. And um, even after the surgery, a year later, my inflammation was back. So we're talking 2016, uh, beginning of 2017. Uh, this is how many years now that you were suffering with IBD at that point? Well, uh, officially diagnosed for 16 years, but probably 30 plus years of, of living wow. with it in various uh, intensities. Uh, but in 2017, uh, again, for the, what, fifth, sixth time, uh, I had stopped re responding to my medications. My doctor said, hey, okay, we're going to switch you to Stellara. This is the newest kid on the block. And... Uh, I said, well, okay, fine, but what's after that? Because I don't know. I'm not having much luck with these meds. And he said, well, I, we don't have one. It's going to be experimental, experimental after that. And that really sounded the alarm for me. And for the first time, really made me think, okay, I don't know if this has been a really good plan for me, this whole series. Uh, and I need to get off of it, get off this model and figure out something that's going to work for me because I cannot afford to have a third surgery. Okay. That's really kind of, I was looking at, I was standing on the edge of the cliff, looking over the edge and I could read the tea leaves and I could tell this is just not going to end well for me. So I pulled back. I said, uh, let me think about this. Stellara is not going to be my, I actually read the paper, the FDA study that reviewed Stellara and just in my mind was not going to work for me. So I pulled back and, um, realized that, hey, wait a minute, I have a PhD in nutrition and I had done all sorts of clinical studies myself. I'm a clinical researcher. I had worked on cancer and global health and malaria and TB and never ever once crossed into my IBD world. Um, it had been compartmentalized in one part of my life and my career was in another compartment. And those two com compartments never crossed over until this moment. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to combine those two worlds, bring back my nutrition expertise and apply it to where I am in life myself. Um, and that's where I went kind of hardcore looking for what we know about diet. Uh, I mean, I, I knew what I was told uh, with my doctors, but there had to be more to this. So I really, for the first time, dug into it and started reading every paper I could find. And obviously, one of the things I found was SCD, specific carbohydrate diet, dug into it even further. And within two weeks, I went back to my doctor and said, Doc, I know what I want to do. I don't want to do Stellara, not for me. I'm doing diet. And Initially, you get the reaction that you expect. No, I've never heard of this. This is, this, you know, I don't <laughs> recommend it. Um, but he knew I'm serious. He knew uh, if I want to do it, I'm sort, you know, I'm going to do it properly. Um, and that I was being monitored very carefully. So I was doing a lot of labs and monitoring. So he put me on um, 40 milligrams of prednisone as a safety net because I had always responded to prednisone so that I could onboard SCD and get going with it. And that's the start of the whole story. Wow. Now, and you read, you did a ton of research, which of course is your expertise in what you needed to do nutritionally to help yourself. So it wasn't just the specific carbohydrate diet that you were reading about. I'm sure there were a lot of other protocols included in that as well. What, what made you single out SCD as being right for you? Um, well, so a lot of this was sort of pinned uh, against the biology, the actual sort of underlying biology of the gut, which 
you know, in graduate school, so again, I, my nutrition background in graduate school, we were told a lot about how nutrition works, how your gut works, how the metabolism works. But a lot of that was turned out to be wrong. Okay. And that's how science works, right? Every five, 10 years, every, pretty much a lot of stuff I learned in grad school in the 90s is now incorrect because we keep adding to the science, we keep correcting ourselves. So a lot of the information I learned was centered around the gut microbiome. You hear this all, it's the kind of hottest area in science right now. We have extremely powerful tools to look at it from various angles. It's almost like not having a microscope and then having a microscope, okay? That much of an eye-opening advancement. So now before we didn't have genomic sequencing and now we do. And so all of a sudden mm -hmm. that opened up. So a lot of the biology was centered around who's living down there, what are they doing, how did they get there, which ones are the good guys, which ones are the bad guys, in general, just in health. And then, of course, in GI health was a whole other section of the research. And then, of course, another whole section was how the diet is influencing the microbiome. So all that sort of like started adding up to this singular message that what we eat actually makes a big difference into our resident microbes. And it's our biggest environmental exposure um, through the gut. And we better be careful of how we make these choices. So that was the fundamental sort of underlying foundational science. Uh, and SCD, uh, even though when Elaine uh, Gottschall had written the book uh, that covered some you know, trial and error empirical experience going back to many decades earlier. Uh, now we sort of know what, why all that made sense. So eliminating grains, why does that make sense? Eliminating sugar, why does that make sense? Eliminating additives, why does that make sense? So empirically, we had known that works. And through the 80s, 90s, whatever, next 20, 30 years, it, we had evidence that it helps. But now we, we, I could explain it scientifically. What's the potential mechanism of, of why it's effective. So uh, it, uh, it was the most complete explanation and the most broad view of how diet could influence, uh, you know, negative attributes of gut health and do the opposite, actually turn things around and make, make things positive. And of course, with the food model changing and the industrial agriculture changing in the last 40, 50, 60 years, and the trend lines with IBD, all of this started sort of, all the pieces of the puzzle started coming together. So to me, it I, I didn't need to have any definitive clinical trial of this or that. It, it's just the, the bits of the puzzle started coming together nicely. And I had sufficient information to start SCD with sufficient guidelines on uh, you know, even recipes and, and, and advice. I joined Facebook for the first time. I, you know, I created an account for the first time just to see what's being said and been done. Uh, and I, I, I relished in it and tapped into all of that. And uh, within two weeks, I was already off my pain and off my symptoms um, and updating my doctor with uh, progress notes. And he was excited and surprised and uh, quickly started tapering the prednisone down to 30 and 20. And within six months, I was off meds altogether, uh, just tapered it off altogether. And really, for the first time in 20 years, I was off all medication. Isn't that amazing? 
It's it's funny you mentioned Facebook because I was just on Facebook earlier today and there was a gal that's new to all of this saying, how long did it take all of you before you felt better? And it's amazing the responses for people that have been so sick for so long that really start to feel better pretty early on. I know everyone is different, but if you're now, were you very, very strict from the beginning? Yeah. So uh, for, for me, because I had gone through so many twists and turns, because I had uh, exhausted all my options, right? I almost threw my hands up in the air and surrendered. I said, I give up. I'm, I'm, I'm out of bullets. Uh, it's SCD, diet, therapy, or nothing. If this doesn't work, I've got nothing else to do, right? I'm just out, out of options altogether. So for me, it was almost like there's there's nothing holding back. I've got to do this 100%. In fact, I quit my job. I came home so that I could spend, it, it, it was my job. It was my full-time job to be in the kitchen, looking up recipes, changing my pantry, my our kitchen in the home here, my wife, you know, what are you doing to this pantry? Okay, you can have this section of the pantry. We're going to eat I didn't want anybody else to change their food. It was just me making my foods at home. So yeah, spending three, four, five hours a day in the kitchen while something was in the oven, you know, baking or something. I was online reading about the science. So I it, it became a sort of an experiment on myself. But I did uh, follow it 100%, starting with the intro diet. Uh, and then, like I said, started all my symptoms went away within 10 days. And that was sufficiently encouraging for me to say, hey, I think this, we're onto something here and I'm going to keep going. It's very motivating to get progress and make progress early on. I know that doesn't happen to everybody, but it, it will happen. And if, if uh, you know, the, the one thing I've learned, Lee, is uh, how quickly you see progress to some extent ma- uh, depends on where you are before SCD. So how bad your symptoms are, how severe they are, what kind of foods you've been habitually eating. So SCD is the roadmap going forward. How you got there, in my mind, makes a big difference. So if you're already off grains, enough sugar, enough you know, starch, and you start SCD, well, that's not a big 180. You're not doing a complete reversal and U-turn. Uh, so it might be a 30-degree course change instead of a 180, right? Versus a lot of us might be not doing that and eating potatoes and pasta and rice and grains and bread and, and sugar. And to us... And sugar and yeah, sugar and yeah. sugar. And to, and to that, a CD is a 180. So it, uh, it can't, you can't make a, a, a blanket statement around how, when exactly to expect, how much difference you can expect, because the disease is different. The state of um, disease ex, uh, uh, severity is different for everybody. The diet that you were on before you know, the two, three, five years before SCD makes a big difference. What kind of medications you've been on and work on makes a difference. So there's all these factors all kind of culminating into what your response might be. So you can't, uh, you know, you throw in all those variations and uh, combinations, you're going to get quite a few. But in general, I would say uh, symptom relief happens quickly in terms of initial sort of short-term GI symptoms. Um, and then long-term healing, which is the ultimate goal uh, at the tissue level, is something that might happen in months to years. Okay, so with me, um, I'd been on SCD for one year, six months off all medications, 
my doctor had me come back. He knew I'm feeling fantastic. He was all over it. He was excited. He was congratulating me. Um, uh, but he had me do a colonoscopy and uh, and, and um, radiologic imaging, so MRE, uh, almost to convince himself that this is not in my head, right? And it checked. He told me this: you've never had a colonoscopy report or MRE report this good, even with all the meds you've been on. Isn't uh, I love stories like this. I live for stories like this. And of course, you see it all the time. In your practice, right? I'm sure that there are a lot of success stories that you could tell. I don't know how many of them you're able to repeat. Yeah. So people, um, so, you know, let me just give you a quick intro of how I got there. So this this was now January, February of 2018. I'd been on SCD for a year. I'd already gotten back to work uh, part-time. I didn't want to jump in and start full force getting back into my regular career path again because I was in such a good place. I was doing yoga. I was out gardening. It was just amazing. I'd never felt this good in 20 years. And people knew it. People came to me and said, Ali, you you look different. Like, oh, you look great. How? And for the first time, I would tell people, you know, hey, I've known you for 20 years, but you didn't know about my IBD. I've, ha- I've had Crohn's for 20. And they're like, what? You never told me? Uh, I've, I'm happy for you. This is exciting. Congratulate." can you talk to my neighbor or, Hey, can, he's got Crohn's and he's really struggling. Or I've got a cousin in, you know, Atlanta and he's really struggling and he just found. So I'm like, of course, let's talk. You know, I'm happy to share and get past the word on. And this happened so many times, almost re- like con- just over and over. I realized that, wow, this, this, this wasn't just me going through this need and this struggle. There's lots of people out there all believing diet and environmental behavior lifestyle has a huge influence, are not getting the support they need. There's a lot of information online, not so much in their GI practice or from their clinics. And they sort of get lost between the shuffle and have to navigate through uh, almost this chaotic world online. And some figure it out, some go down the completely wrong path. In fact, get worse. So the, the more this happened, the more I realized, you know, I've, I've kind of, I'm sitting on top of all this information. I've got my own success story to pass along. I've got my PhD in nutrition and the whole science side of it. And so I said, you know what, that, that I'm going to dedicate, change my career and, and bring this into the forefront. This is going to be my new career path. So I set up the clinic. I set up Modular Health to be that service. And as of, you know, beginning of 2019, I've been seeing uh, IBD patients reach out to me to formally go through a consulting uh, service with me. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to share my story with them. I'm happy to share my uh, success and progress, uh, any of the science. Um, but uh, I see, you're right, I see patients come to me, IBD patients who have uh, just been diagnosed or have been living with IBD for 30 years and have had five surgeries. So I get kind of the whole range. I also get people who are at different stages of life. So um, I had a CEO of a company uh, call me and said, Ali, I read your story. This is great. I'm struggling. I want to be on SCD. Can you help me? And I said, absolutely. But what's what's your life? Where are you at? What do you do? This is a year ago. And he said, well, I'm a CEO of this company. I'm on the plane three days a week. I'm traveling all over the country for my work. 
Uh-huh. I said, you know what? I'm not sure you can do SCD the way it needs to be done uh, because of, you know, you're traveling. Uh, so if you really want to commit, you know, you're the CEO, cut out all your travel for three months, um, commit to staying home and make progress in that three-month stretch. If you feel like it's working for you, then you can make a smart decision what to do. So it does take that level of uh, stepping back and understanding what you're about to get into uh, because you can't kind of tiptoe your way into SCD. You can't half, you can't, there is no half SCD. Okay. Uh, You're either doing it or you're you're either doing it or you're not doing it. If you're 90% doing it, it's still not the full SCD. I'm not saying it won't work, but what may take six months to take effect may take three years. Okay, so if you want to see results, this is the way I explain it to my clients. If you want to see results, the more committed you are, the more kind of you stick with the 100% model of SCD, meaning, you know, address your cravings, find resources, get help, change your pattern, change your work, even whatever, right? Make those commitments, make that commitment, jump right in. The quicker and deeper you go, the faster you'll get the results. All right. Yeah. Yes. And but yet, if someone comes to you, and and they're looking to take baby steps instead of jumping in all the way, are you still open to helping them with that and and easing them along the process? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, everybody's looking for something that works for them. So I'm not here to uh, offer a cookie cutter approach if their life doesn't allow a full implementation of SCD. Again. If, uh, if they've never used their kitchen before, if they've never cooked before, you know, it's not very un- co- uncommon. It's a pretty, people, you know, everybody knows how to use their microwave, but not everybody knows how to use the full gamut of everything you have in the kitchen, right? Let alone follow complicated as, uh, recipes. So I'm mindful of that. So some people need to really commit to learning how to enjoy being in the kitchen. All right. Ah, okay. Good point. Good point. Uh, some people may know they'll never be there, so they need to get help from their partner, their parents, their friend, I don't know, the community. So there are, uh, these are sort of life skills that I think people should be learning anyhow, you know, how to shop in a supermarket, how to read nutrition labels, how to follow a recipe, how to not burn your banana bread that you're making in the in the oven. Okay. <laughs> Which is easy to do if you're using almond flour. Right. Just yeah. And the honey, the honey will, the honey will dark, you know, there's all these things, but you know what? The, the amazing thing is it's, it's a labor of love that you get to enjoy yourself. It's, it's like the treat on the other side, which is not only the food and the joy of eating the food, but the health that it brings. So there's multiple reward mechanisms on the back end that, once that feedback loop comes together, it's amazing. It, it, now you're on your own. You just there's no stopping you at that point. And the better you feel, the more you feel like feeling better, and the more you feel like doing what needs to be done. Isn't it amazing how food that you eh, maybe didn't care that much about before tastes so amazingly wonderful now? Does that happen to you? Well, so of course, uh, I mean, we're bombarded with uh, processed sugar uh, at levels that we've never been exposed to. This is pure sugar, added sugars, right? Um, and of course, we have a 
sensory mechanism to taste it uh, and get rewarded by it uh, because evolution selected for that. But um, we get bombarded by so much sugar that those sensory uh, mechanisms are saturated. They're overburdened and they kind of tune out. They self-dial themselves down. So you don't get to taste sugar the way you might normally do. You get kind of lulled into um, the, the, the taste of it. Once you eliminate that, which we do with SCD, you know, added, no added sugar, no table sugar, no processed sugar, no sucrose. Those sensory... Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, of course. But those, those, those sensors uh, can now sort of wake up again. They don't need to uh, shut themselves out of the world. And that strawberry you eat or that honey you add, all of a sudden is bursting with flavor because it's coming yeah. in at low. So all of a sudden fruit, fruit, sweet uh, flavors, uh, things, just the whole taste structure changes. Uh, and and I, that's a whole nother dimension of, of the reward you get with all this. It's really fun. And, you know, it's something to strive for when people go on it. I had someone tell me the other day that they had a piece of watermelon that they never really realized what watermelon tasted like until they finally tasted it after eliminating processed sugar from oh, their so diet. good to so, hear. I know it's really fun and and to enjoy food the way that it's meant to be enjoyed, the way that nature meant for us to enjoy it is quite an eye-opening experience. So, I, you know, it, look forward to that everybody. It really is fun. It really really is fun. So you talked about how um people don't it really helps if people do SCD all the way. Are there any other mistakes that you see people make? What are the What are the biggest mistakes you've seen yeah. clients make on SCD? Yeah, so um, I, yeah, I've, I've had enough kind of hands in people's journey to start building a trends and see what kind of what patterns people have. Um, so if I had to describe the, the, the errors, mistakes, let's say people make, one is... Um, so first of all, people think SCD is a, a kind of an el elimination diet. Like you're going to just, ha first you read the legal, illegal list and you're like, well, how am I ever going to do this? Um, you're removing everything I eat. But it, but that's a mistake. I, it, for, certainly for me, it, it was an expansive diet. I'm ex my range of foods are so much more broad than what I was eating three, four years ago, right? I was a, if you think about it, if you count the number of ingredients and where you shop at the supermarket, it's such a narrow window and such a limited range. And all of a sudden with SCD, you, you're, you've gotten such a broader range of options and variety and nuts and seeds and fruits and vegetables. And I mean, you name it. So for me, it's, it's a hugely broadening and expansive uh, diet that I, it was almost like I was missing out. What was I thinking? Why? I, well, of course it's sure. You might go through a, a window where uh, you're eliminating until you get better. And then it's, wow, let's expand. So to answer your question, the mistakes I've seen people make are, you know, as you go through this process of eliminating and then adding in ingredients back in, the biggest mistake I sort of see is adding them back in too quickly. So you might get some um, improvements in your symptoms and then you're excited to add them back in and you just kind of progress to the... F By adding them back in, you're you're not talking about... The, no, um, still, I'm talking still SCD. SCD. Oh, no, no, I was, you're still... Yeah, yeah. Like 
for some people, nuts need to be delayed or legumes. All of that. Need to well, those, those usually get delayed pretty late, but even the, the earlier ingredients. So there's a whole sort of method in my in my practice. I I, I sort of systematic systematic systematically add them back in. So through sort of sequence, uh, based on their symptoms and their what how the body's feeling. Um, and what kind of a green light, red light approach. Uh, okay, green light for this, green light for this, expand this, expand that. Uh, and then the recipes that go with those. Uh, but- um, oh, you, you include recipes too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, uh, so yeah, recipes are part. Awesome. Recipes are great. <laughs> I, I, I'm in the process of tabulating what a, uh, the caloric makeup and nutritional makeup of a, a week or two of SCD is at every stage so that we can look at nutritional sufficiency and where the shortfalls are uh, if we need to supplement them some other ways until we can fully get them from food. So, uh, uh, yeah, I really want to make sh- keep tabs on that. Uh, but f- first and foremost, we're fighting a different battle is just to get some healing and some uh, you know, re- uh, re- reduction in inflammation. Once that happens, then you can start throwing in more ingredients, SCD ingredients. But the the big, biggest mistake is people kind of green lighting it too fast and moving, uh, you know, learning how to drive uh, a race car before they know how to, you know, drive a regular car. So it's just kind of that eagerness and excitement moving too fast and when their body's not quite ready yet. Okay, so that's okay. that's one mistake. And then the opposite is true too. This is another mistake, Lee, is moving too slow. So they do the right thing. They add the right, you know, they do the elimination. They start adding some basic ingredients. They're still sort of early on. They see progress. They feel great, but they're sort of hesitant to progress further. They just don't want to rock the boat. They feel fine. They don't they're fearful like, or uncertain what's going to happen. So, you know, I might talk to somebody who's actually been on SCD 10, 11 years and they still have, they feel great, but they haven't really even added nuts or seeds, you know, or legumes. Okay. Now, not everybody's ready, but after 11 years and you've been holding the fork down and doing SCD pretty much by the book. So that's the other thing is just not, not trusting your body to take the the next step and because legumes are amazing amazing ingredients to be able to tolerate they're packed with all sorts of things you're going to want so it's almost like the uh the nirvana the the end goal uh that i try to get to is get to the point where you can fully tolerate legumes lentils uh peas are pretty easy to tolerate early on. So that's, once you can consistently tolerate and enjoy them, that's your sort of, that's the, that's the end goal. That's wonderful. Same with mushrooms. Um, just these high fiber, uh, nutrient packed foods. It opens up a whole new world. You know, the recipes that are available just by adding any one of those things gives somebody a whole nother, a whole nother, um, list of things that they can use and that they can enjoy. So, that's really good advice. I remember with me, um, it took me a really long time before I was able to do legumes, which killed me because it's one of my favorite foods in the world. And I had to really, you know, I started out with one little spoonful at a time. It also helped to buy an Instant Pot because I read that Instant Pots kill a lot of the uh, lectins in legumes. And sometimes people have a lectin problem. Once I started 
using that, I was able to add it back in. And it was it was such a joy, such a joy, really good advice. And, and I'm glad you, uh, look, like, like I said, uh, I'm glad you took the time and was patient enough to wait for the right period of your sort of healing process to add them back in. And of course, you don't add them back in in a huge bowl of chili, right? You, you, I wanted you, to. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you want to add, you, you know, you want to test your, where your, your, where your edge is, right? Where your boundary is. Can you tell, of course you can probably tolerate one. How do you react to it? Then maybe two beans, you know, and on and on and on. So that, that and then of course the preparation method matters as well. And this, the kind of best practice around that. Yeah, with um, lentils also. Sometimes I've learned that people say that they can't tolerate lentils, but then when you talk to them about it, they're not really soaking them properly and they're not making them the way that they should. Mm -hmm. And that can make a big difference. And again, one more thing that's a little bit tied to the mistakes is taking good notes, taking, you know, documenting where you're at and what, what, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Uh, and sometimes you may be, um, thrown in for a surprise and what used to tolerate suddenly doesn't work so well for you. Uh, and that happens, obviously this is a dynamic disease and so many factors are involved, including stress and seasons and other things. So, all of a sudden hitting the pause button and maybe even actually reversing and going back a few steps and simplifying the range of foods, uh, maybe even all the way back to the intro phase, just the very basics. So knowing knowing when to hold back or knowing when to pull back and holding the fort down, recovering, and then stepping back forward. Of course, things can move fast faster the second time around or third time around. So understanding that cycle, that sort of sometimes you got to take a step back before you can take two steps forward. And some people do feel sometimes a little bit worse before they feel better, right? What what causes that? Is it die off? I've heard that term a lot. Um, is that about bacterial overgrowth or? Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on. You know, you're you're. Int- I'm eating, Lee. I'm eating more fiber in one year than I did in 20 years before I did SCD. Okay, and I'm sure that's kind of a broad um, pattern most of us experience. So. It's great. It's wonderful. Um, and it changes the dynamics of what your gut microbes are. So all the fiber consuming, fiber eating, fiber metabolizing microbes are now being fed and before they were being starved. So this whole shift obviously changes the composition and the re- profile of who's residing in me. Uh, and of course, I eat a lot of fermented foods, like the yogurts, but other f- fermented foods as well. Um, so this whole change, this whole thriving ecology uh, is now dynamic and shifting. So, um, it's, uh, the, the reaction you get in your gut is going to shift as well. So some, you know, as, as you progress, as you heal, as you respond, uh, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel, you could call it die off initially. Uh, later on you may have, uh, it's a very sensitive, um, sensitive to the environment. So the gut microbes are very sensitive to the environment, what you do to them. So, um, what you feed them, um, where you travel, who you're exposed to, how well you sleep, how, uh, how much stress you have, uh, it's tuned to all of these environmental factors. So it's your, it's your external environment as well as your internal environment. Well, all of that, yes, all of that is being uh, transmitted through to your gut in some way, food directly. Uh, sleep indirectly, stress indirectly, but all of that is being transmitted 
And those microbes are kind of the most fragile part of you, right? Uh, I mean, right? There's Your tissue is not necessarily going to notice, let's say, but your microbes will, first of all. Um, it's almost like the ecosystem we live in. You know, climate change is going to affect the coral reef before it affects, uh, you know, uh, insects, right? Because they're just more sensitive. They're very kind of adapted to that perfect temperature and perfect environment. And the minute it goes off by one degree, there they go. Uh, but a cockroach will survive a nuclear bomb, right? <laughs> cockroach will yeah, survive anything. Because, because they, 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 they can, they, they have a broad ad adaptation ecosystem. So the guts in your, the microbes in your gut are always adapting to where you are, what you're feeding them. And with SCD, you you advance, you progress, and they will adapt and progress with you. But so, but that's not a straight line all the time. Excellent information. So what's the scientific thinking around probiotics? And I want to talk about yogurt too. Right, right. So um, just related to this, you know, if you, um, uh, I got to tell you, every client I support, like I can't even think of one, that has not been on antibiotics the last two, three years, okay? In fact, that's sort of almost like the, the point in time where things started going downhill for them. Now, everybody's gonna probably have a different experience, but for me, this is, this is a very common theme. Uh, and obviously there are times where we need antibiotics and there's overt infection and pathogenic you know, uh, problems, and antibiotics work excellent, but they're so overused. Um, and a lot of times it's not even a bacterial infection, it's viral, uh, they're prescribed for so many reasons. Uh, so it is what it is, but it's it's a key um, threat to the gut microbes that we carry since childhood, obviously. So um, essentially we're wiped out. We, we were sterile in a way, right? We, we, we wipe them out with antibiotics uh, our foods don't necessarily support them. We're generating a low fiber processed food model in the in the Western food model. Uh, so really, it's sort of this garden that doesn't have much growing in it. It's sort of this barren, you know, a few weeds, perhaps a couple of roses here and there, but it's pretty barren. And the goal is to repopulate it and replant all sorts of beautiful flowers, and so you get a thriving garden. So that's those seeds. And if you don't, if you don't, the weeds continue to grow, right? It's kind of like the cockroaches you were talking about. The the bad bacteria can flourish under. Yeah, those. there's food coming through there. There's an it's an open niche. It's an open space like a weed. They'll be more than happy to take it up. So C diff uh, is an infection that a lot of times comes in after antibiotic use. Okay? Yes. Before antibiotic use, it wants to come in, but it's got no room to occupy. It's all sort of pre-spot, preoccupied. But the antibiotics kind of help open up a niche for them, and now you're susceptible to C. diff infection. Very common, um, that, that sequence. So it's a threat. Um, so with antibiotics, you know, and in general, what we want to do is constantly supply the seeds to plant the garden, to, to make this flourish. And those are these, you know, live fermented organisms that will survive your stomach acids and sufficient numbers that will find a niche and start occupying your gut, you know, small intestine, but mostly your large intestine. Um, obviously, avoiding antibiotics is important. Obviously, avoiding 
pesticide and antibiotic use foods, so organic foods come into play there. Um, but fermented foods, so yogurt, you know, uh, in breaking the vicious cycle recipe, yogurt is the vehicle for delivering these seeds, these microbial organisms. We can call them probiotics if they have actually shown a clinical benefit. That's sort of like the official definition of a probiotic is not just a live organism, but a live organism that has been shown to be beneficial in health, in human health. So it, it's just a definitional thing. But, uh, and, and we don't know enough about the science of this strain and this species and this genus and this microbial strain um, is better than this one. We don't know yet. We're, we're, there's a lot to unravel there. For me, the way I practice is uh, clients come to me with poor diversity, poor, poor, poor diversity. It's just a hallmark of IBD, probably a hallmark of Western diet. So that how do you reverse it? You, you, you build diversity, okay? You start planting not a monoculture, uh, you know, you don't wanna grow rows and rows of daisies in your garden. You wanna have a whole variety because diversity matters in nature. So sticking with one uh, strain in, uh, is gonna work to help populate your gut, but it's not gonna add diversity because you're just- One strain of probiotic. Or, or starter in your yogurt, okay? Oh, okay. Uh, so yogurt has a definition, the FDA definition is it, it needs to include three specific strains um, to be called a you know yogurt according to FDA standards. But if you have four, that's kind of yogurt plus. If you have five, it's yogurt plus plus. Um, but to me, it's, it's just another way of delivering uh, a, a live organic uh, organism. Uh, now, the pro probiotic capsules are a huge, huge market right now. Uh, I don't value them a whole lot as a capsule. It's, um, I think people think of uh, probiotics as just like a small molecule, like a vitamin C capsule. You just mass produce it, synthesize it, dry it in a tab tablet and ship it to a warehouse for six months and then sell it. Of course, that will work with vitamin C but it's not gonna work for this fragile little organism that's a microbe, uh, which probiotic capsules come in these freeze-dried capsules. And by the time you take one in capsule form, it needs to be hydrated, it needs to wake up, it needs to sort of reestablish its metabolic parameters. Uh, I mean, who knows how many of that actually survive? Um, and that's why there's been this race to the top. Okay, my probiotic contains 20 billion. Well, mine is 40 billion. Well, mine's 60 billion. Because it's the efficacy is really low. The potency is very low. Most of them never make it. Uh, so I don't really um, put my bet on probiotic capsules as a way to populate and expand your gut microbiome and diversity. I would much rather get it from food, which comes in already in a hydrated, form uh, surrounded with food that the microbes already love, uh, helps it pass through the stomach acids and gives it a fighting chance when it once it arrives. Uh, so I, uh, yogurt to me is a vehicle to deliver um, a variety of organisms that you can use to populate and diversify your, your gut. 
uh, just as a reminder to those who might be new to the SCD, yogurt is made a very specific way, and you can get the directions to that by going to websites like pecanbread.com or, of course, reading Breaking the Vicious Cycle. There's a lot of information on the internet about it, but you do want to make sure that you're making the yogurt exactly the way that it is laid out in the specific carbohydrate diet. Um, what about other fermented foods? Do you do a lot of those as well? I always look for expansion. So kimchi, um, sauerkraut. Kimchi I did early on, but I was worried about the sort of the fibrous, raw nature of the, the cabbage. Uh, I wasn't sure how much of that I could chew and break down. So I actually take a big jar of kimchi, uh, open it for the first time and put it in my bullet blender machine. Oh, that's a good idea. And I just... It just comes out like a applesauce consistency. It just really smooth, like a smooth, uh, smooth kind of spoon it out, and I pour it back into the jar and keep it in the fridge for a month or two. And I just spoon it out. I use it as a sort of a sauce. Um, it's delicious and lo adds lots of flavor. Oh, that's a real! I'm going to do that. I'm definitely going to do that. A great idea. Great idea. What about spore based? probiotics. Have you heard of those at all? Somebody just yeah. asked me about that this morning. Yeah. So this is, again, part of this uh, really burgeoning market of uh, trying to explore how to undo what we've been doing the last 50 years without, to, our, to us, right? This stripping of nutrients, sterilizing our foods, this, you know, antibiotic exposure. So there's a huge, huge industry trying to sort of undo that. And honestly, I think there's a lot of science that needs to be still explored there. Uh, there's uh, a lot of hype. Um, and a lot of good science. And it's right now a little hard to separate the two. So um, until we can definitively say one is better than the other, this is better than that, this is actually inducing you know, cholesterol reduction or this is reducing anxiety, we need, to, we need to evaluate this. It's a complicated science. It's hard to decipher, hard to control, uh, do a control study. So until that happens, I go with the more safer approach is just, hey, let's just add diversity back in. So if, if spores um, are another way of adding another kind of player to the zoo, adding another character to that zoo that's down there, sure, why not? I like to rotate my probiotic uh, starters. Uh, I never stick with one for too long. I might have two or three brands as a, I actually use them to start my yogurts. Um, and I'll rotate through them because I, again, I don't want to um, create this monoculture or triculture. I, I want to have um, as much diversity as, 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 as because we know that's ultimately where health resides. Would you like to share those brands with us, or would you be would you like to let me know and I can put it in the show notes? I, I can dig up some. Uh, again, I am always exploring and looking for variety. Uh, not everybody sh uh, might respond perfectly to every one. I might sure I'll send you a, f a few ones I've used in the past. Uh, I use myself. Uh, you just have to see how it works for you. Uh, the other thing I find useful is, you know, we 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 make the yogurt. Or we have kimchi in the refrigerator. Uh, one of the reasons we refrigerate, obviously, yogurt and these probiotic uh, fermented foods is to stop the fermentation. It's like enough. The 24 hours has gone by. The yogurt's ready. I don't want to over-ferment. So the only way to kind of stop it is to put it in the refrigerator. In fact, that's the whole function of a refrigerator is to stop microbial growth of any kind. 
Um, heating does the opposite. It, it cooks the, you know, destroys the microbes. So they're safe to eat now. So you don't want to eat a raw chicken. You want to cook it, obviously, to uh, destroy it. So either on the both ends of the extreme, you, you either chill it to stop the growth or you heat it to an extreme. So you kill it. Uh, well, we don't want to do either for, for fermentation and sort of populating your gut. So eating a cold yogurt, bowl of yogurt out of the refrigerator, sure, it has you know, live organisms, but they've gone into sort of dormancy. And by the time I eat them and they sort of make it through my stomach and whatever, it's going to take a while for them to sort of become wake up and non-dormant. Uh, and for me, I might not have that much time. I have, you know, I've had two resections in my ilium and it, things might pass through too quickly. I, I want to have them fight and their, their way in. So I, um, not every time, but when I, when I feel like it, I take a, a nice jar of yogurt, a bowl of yogurt, and I warm it up. I warm it up. And just, a little, just a little, like room temperature? Room temperature works, but uh, the ideal sort of growth temperature is 37 degrees body temperature um and um the best appliance i found that gets you there there's nothing in the kitchen that keeps food at 37 because that's you don't want that right you don't want stuff growing uh where you don't want it to grow but there is a uh baby bottle warmers you know those little things that you put milk for the babies those are almost the perfect perfect thing and it's the perfect size so i have a little baby bottle warmer with a little sort of like this cup holder part of it i fill it with yogurt doesn't have to be a lot i put it in i make sure the temperature is right right around 37 uh with a setting and yeah 30 minutes 45 minutes it warms up it sort of becomes almost like a custard texture uh i add honey to it um maybe sprinkle some some cinnamon on top and it's delicious and it might be the first thing i eat in the morning and you're the, then the probiotics that you're putting into your body are are they're ready to go the minute the minute they're back yeah they are back and ready yeah, to go they're, they're back like, what a great idea and, and do, do I remember you mentioning also that when you make your yogurt if you're adding starter yogurt to the milk you're also warming that yogurt first Is I that did right? that as an experiment yes yes yeah yeah so I. Uh, just to kind of prove this to myself in my little kitchen lab is, um, yeah, does does warm yogurt at 37 degrees, the way I just described, uh, start the f- fermentation process faster than cold yogurt as a starter? Do you see what I mean? So I use, yep. I use yogurt as a starter um, and I have an either refrigerated yogurt to start with or this half hour warm yogurt. And I did side-by-side experiments and checked for pH as, it, as things fermented over the next six to eight hours. I was up till 2 a.m. one night just constantly checking the, temper- the pH. And sure as heck, uh, the batch that was started with the warm yogurt versus the cold yogurt was off and running faster. And that to me tells me that it's a that you kind of skip that one or two hour wake-up cycle and... Uh, I'll take that any day if I want to. That's fascinating. That's <laughs> fascinating. It's so nice to have a scientist on the show. All of these things that we learn, all of these things that help make it even a little bit better than what we're doing already. I really appreciate that. So 
where do you see SCD going in the future? Do you what What are your thoughts there? Well, uh, so it's 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 super exciting to connect with the community to realize how many people are aware of it. First of all, to realize how many people are are willing to give it a shot, to see how many people have already onboarded and are doing amazingly well. Um, there are. Uh, a lot of people who are doing it and maybe could use a hand, could get some support. So that I'm glad I'm, I'm on the board of the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association. Uh, starting this year, I joined the board to help take it to the next sort of phase, uh, to get the word out, to help build uh, momentum, advocacy, awareness. Uh, uh, the SCD Rocks Conference, I know we talked about, uh, are a fantastic way to reach out and support the community. This year, we're going to have it as a virtual conference coming up in October. Please look at the show notes and you'll see the link to that. Um, we're definitely want to keep engaged and offer information so that people have the resources they need, both in the U.S. and lots and lots of SCD followers internationally now uh, running their own Facebook groups, which is super exciting to see. Um, so we expect to have a lot of participants, this being a virtual conference. Uh, we think it'll be a great way for people. It's a half-day event um, where we'll we'll talk about the latest and in information and share some good news. Uh, so that's that's super good. Where do I see SCD going? Uh, the clinical community, you know, a lot of us have struggled getting our GI doctors to sort of not necessarily champion SCD, but just sort of be neutral to it even, okay? Just not get in the way. Uh, we can continue our meds, and I think med medications are really important to get through a tough phase, And but the long sustainable path to me is diet. Uh, I don't think medications are uh, something you can imagine being on for 30, 40, 50 years. You just, nobody's done that. So, um, I think uh, there's a lot of effort to uh, make uh, physicians and GI doctors more aware of the option of SCD. If the, if the patients and pediatric patients want to do it, let's support them. Uh, let's not um, uh, throw them, uh, you know, throw a wall in the way uh, and disrupt that idea. So I think there's a lot of work to be done there. There are some really uh, um, fantastic GI doctors who are championing it already. Uh, with pediatric uh, and adults. So that's fantastic. I'm happy to fill in that void. A lot of doctors don't have the expertise or the time to go through it. So I get referrals from GI clinics, GI doctors, to uh, support the patients um, as they would jump into SCD and sort of navigate through it. And I, and the doctor... That's wonderful. You're working in partnership. I do. And and the, the doctors, the doc yeah. That's yeah, that's really important. And I think the doctors feel really good that... Um, the patients are being kind of processed through and supported through somebody who kind of knows how it should be done or experienced it himself. Um, I think it's really good to coordinate the care so that the doctors do, you know, the monitoring, the, the diagnosis, the medications that are needed, um, and everybody's talking to everybody. Uh, and if there's, um, you know, interruptions or surprises, nobody's out of the loop. So that's that's really big deal. And of course, there's clinical studies going on. Um, there's uh, Crohn's Colitis Foundation and others are supporting some studies, which uh, the results are being tabulated and SCDs, the big one. Uh, there's some studies looking at CD and the effectiveness of it. Um, so the, the, those are sort of they're cracking the door open to get broad appeal uh, and at least some 
acceptance in the GI community, the clinical community. I'm writing a, <clears throat> I just sent in the, the first draft in of a case report describing my course history, uh, the whole sequence of failures, surgeries, <clears throat> and the onboarding of SCD and the three and a half years that I've been on it. So um, the uh, all the outcomes are objectively described. So there's nothing in there that says, I feel great. Um, it's the best thing ever. It's all based on laboratory measurements, fecal calprotectin, inflammatory markers, like ta- all of your testing, tables, all tables of and tables of testing, uh, my MRE, my colonoscopy, biopsy that were ta- was taken, um, all without medications at this point. Um, and uh, all showing that objective markers are not only reversed back to normal, but are sustained over the three and a half years I've been on it. Is IBD reversible? I think so. I mean, that's a big laden word. I, I like to use uh, relief uh, as the first phase just to kind of get through the symptoms and feel good when you wake up. Uh, you, the, the sort of gas, bloating, diarrhea, bleeding, to me, that's relief. Uh, and that's a great start. Um, then, then you sort of move to remission which is obviously sort of now at the tissue level, you're actually seeing improvement, inflammation's gone down. And that is as far as most people would love to get, but I think there's even a third step in this reversal. That's exciting. And, and the more we learn, the more we'll know, right? The more, the more we give it a chance, the more we support the people who want to give it a chance and, and also importantly, track it. So one of the pieces of advice I like to give everybody is, uh, before you start SCD is uh, obviously keep and maintain all your labs and reports. That's a huge part of this. But also download all your insurance claims that you've been submitting for the last year, two years, three years, whatever you have on hand, uh, because that's a um, the cost of covering your health costs, right? Just keeping you where you're at, whether it's hospitalizations like me, surgery like I had to do. Uh, I just tabulated the year uh, before I started SCD my GI insurance claims were $42,000 for that year. And this is um, with a fantastic insurance plan I have and without any hospitalization or any kind of emergency. It's just basically my pharmaceuticals and a couple of doctor visits. After SCD, I'm now, my insurance claims are 6% of what they used to be. So why doesn't insurance cover people going to a a nutritional doctor or someone that can help them get on this, why do they not? They, you know, it took a long time for them to recognize it in the chiropractic industry. Do you see that they're going to eventually recognize it uh, with nutritionists and SCD as well? So that's, that's where I think where the future is. I think, you know, so I've tabulated in three, in four years, I've saved my insurance company, uh, over one hundred twenty thousand uh, dollars. This is hard cash. It's not. It's not sort of the bill rate. It's the actual payout. They would have paid out for me for four years. Fast forward ten years, right? This is a chronic condition. It's not going to go away. Uh, so I would save them. You know, getting close to half a million dollars, right? Now I'm the one getting rewarded because I have my health. I don't care about the money right now. I'm. I got the reward I wanted, which is my life, my health, all that. But at some point, you know. There should be this conversation around, well, 
shouldn't insurance companies be motivated to support patients who are interested in pursuing diet, are interested in making changes to their lifestyle and seek out professional help? Why should they pay out of pocket to go see a nutritionist, right? Or a professional who can offer a CD uh, or cover the cost of a chef uh, coming to their house once a week and preparing foods for them, right? Add it all up, it's still five, 10 times cheaper than being on any other course. At least, right? at least five, 10 times cheaper. Plus, it gives you the ultimate sort of rewards of health. So I th- that's what I'm presenting in my paper that's uh, being submitted later this summer. Uh, it definitely goes into the ec- economics and the cost of uh, co- reduction in cost of care with diet specifically uh, as a mode of intervention. And to, uh, to me, SCD is the most advanced, most researched, and most explored. Uh, and, re- and later this year, early next year, we'll have actual more results uh, coming out. And I think that that uh, door that conversation is really going to start happening. And that's kind of my hope. That is so exciting. So someone now, and I, I'm really glad that you mentioned how wonderful it is to be able to work in conjunction with a physician, because a lot of physicians don't understand. And yet, if they see that they're patients are getting results on SCD to have someone that their patient can go to and now they're being covered on both levels is really wonderful. Someone wants to speak with you, have a consultation with you, talk to you about what they might be able to do to better themselves. Where do they go? What do they do? Oh, um, so everything is now virtual because uh, where we're at, uh, I, I, my practice is completely on telehealth. So I'm happy to help anybody. Uh, they can find me uh, and reach me and actually set up a, a quick chat uh, with me online, Modula Health, M-O-D-U-L-L-A, health, all one word, so modulahealth.com. That's where they can set up a informational call with me just to kind of explore how we can practice, if they're suited for this, what, where they're at, uh, how we can kind of get started, what to expect. Uh, and from there, if this is the right thing for them, they can just run with it. And I'm happy to support them and offer everything I've learned personally in my own course, uh, make it science-based so that they can trust the information I'm offering them and also tap into the ex- experience that I've had uh, from other clients, what's worked for them, what's not worked for them, what are the emotional side of things, how do you deal with the social and and uh, kind of going out or travel or all these other things. Right now, it's actually a really good time to start a diet intervention because we're not traveling, you know, right now. We're not going out and socializing and having dinners and parties and things like that. So it's actually a really good time to uh, commit to a home-based diet therapy that really kind of gets to the bottom of where we need to get to. Uh, the ingredients are available, the, uh, the recipes are available, the tools are available, the resources are available. And what we know with COVID, unfortunately, is that um, if your inflammation is well managed, we IBD patients are in no more risk than anybody else. So, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, Thank you for there that. Is, yeah, so the data is, you know, the, the biologics with the immunosuppressors, the, bi- the biologics do... Uh, do not necessarily make us uh, higher risk for contracting coronavirus or doing worse if we do get infected. The data is being tracked and there's live conversations and reports on all of this. So the good news is that's not necessarily 
a threat um, at all. So keep going with your biologics. Prednisone and steroids above 20 milligrams might be a higher risk. So if you are, really think about what you need to do to taper down. Um, but we do know that if you are in an actively inflamed state, uh, you might actually be exposing yourself to more of a viral infection if you do get exposed to the virus. And there's a long sequence of events that happen have to do with ACE2 receptors in your gut and all that. But it, it, it behooves us to make sure that if we do have active Crohn's, active UC, there's active inflammation, do everything we can to get to some kind of remission state. And even people that have um, IBS, even people that have severe gluten intolerance, anyone that has anything that's going to cause that type of inflammation, and anyone that can respond to proper nutrition and good food, helping them get better, it, it, that really is important for all of us, is it not? I mean, it, it was important before, and now it's even more important. Right, very much so. Well, I can't thank you enough for being here today. I hope that as you go along with all of your research and all of the wonderful things you're learning, you're going to come back on the show. We'd like to have you back here a lot. Oh, it's uh, been my pleasure. There's so much going on. I'm happy to be part of the conversation, offer any support I can give. Feel free to reach out. I'm happy to have conversations with folks who are either in the middle of doing SCD and are sort of stuck and, you know, uh, want to progress even farther or are about to start and aren't sure if this is the right thing for them. Uh, this is, this is you know, the IBD community is the, the one disease community that, that, that has so much peer-to-peer -peer support. I cannot think of another condition that has so much, you know, so many bloggers and how, so many websites, so many recipe makers. I mean, this really goes out, my shouts out to, shout out to all the people who make the recipes and concoct the the substituted ingredients and make them look great and taste great. So this really kind of a, a shout out to all of their hard work, but we have everything we need and uh, support from each other is one big part of that. And you're a large part of what, what is helping the world. And thank you so much for everything you do, all of your good work, all of that, all of those health issues you went through ended up being for a quite a wonderful reason. And I, I don't know that you would be in the position to help as many people as you have if you hadn't. So it's funny how life works. I say that on the show all the time, but here's yet another example of, of how it's really miraculous sometimes what can happen with people when they find their way and then they want to turn around and help others in the cause. So well, thank, thank you. you. You're Look a big part of this, Leith. This podcast has been amazing. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people kind of get deeper understanding of SCD and make good decisions for themselves. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. Looking forward to seeing you October 17th, Saturday. SCD rocks. We'll be there. Bye, buddy. Take, Take care. care. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find me, Lee Bernstein, through my website at scdforme.com. Four is F-O-R. There's also links to other social media sites there if you'd like to connect with me on those. If you have questions, comments, suggestions for future shows, or if you have an SCD success story to share, write to me at leebernstein at scdforme.com. A reminder, I am not an SCD expert. Nothing on this show is ever intended as medical advice. Everybody's different. If you have questions about you and your body, always speak to your medical professional. 
In the meantime, I hope you'll always listen to your gut. I hope you'll stay happy, be well, and always be open to being everything life means for you to be. Take care.